0: The
1: third Three is a magic number.
0: The charm. The charm. The charm.
1: The charm. Hello, and welcome to Third Time's a Charm, the show that takes an in-depth look at the third installment of a franchise. This is episode 32, The Karate Kid Part 3. I am your host, Sensei Mike. And welcome to another episode of Third Times a Charm. I'm joined today by none other than my unofficial co-host Brian Late Night Rodriguez, who was more than generous to donate his time to watching another Karate Kid movie. See, what we have done is one of our panted crossovers. So Brian and I kind of did this a few times last year where we would watch the first installment and sometimes the second installment, if it was still taking place in high school, over on his show, and then we'd watch the third one over here. So we did it with Prom Night, Um, there was a major, major collabo three-way crossover with me high school slumber party and the too fast too furious crew uh when we took on tokyo drift that that was epic but here we are again today with brian and myself splitting up the karate kid franchise a little bit at the skip part two but we touch upon it and uh we're back yeah so why delay the inevitable even more let's just get on with the show here so without any further ado karate kid part three Welcome to the final season of Third Time's a Charm. This is episode 31, Karate Kid Part 3, and joining me today is none other than my unofficial co-host... Brian Rodriguez. Hello, Brian. Welcome back. I'm back. Is is this the first time in 2020? I can't even remember. Yes, it is. Uh, I believe there's only been one episode with uh, my Leaf brother, your uh, partner in podcasting, Kyle Reinfried. Ah, that's correct, yes. Was on the last episode, and here you are. And we're sort of uh, doing our thing here where uh, we reviewed Karate Kid Part 1 over on your show, and because Part 2 was not a high school movie, unlike Prom Night, unlike so many of the other sort of uh, crossovers we've had. But here we are for Karate Kid Part 3 on Third Time's a Charm. The All-Valley Championship continues. How have you been holding up since Karate Kid Part 1?
0: Pretty well. I mean, uh, you know, we had a blast talking about the original Karate Kid. And I know we'll talk about the series more here, but... I think it's something we talked about on that episode on High School Slumber Party, but I'm sure it'll be echoed here. It's kind of an underrated series, especially when you count the TV show now, or sorry, the
1: YouTube show now. Yeah, that YouTube show really uh, sort of injected new life into this series and showed that there were still legs there. But between last episode and this, did you watch part two as well? Did you go on beyond part three and watch part four? Did you watch the remake, sort of remake, reboot? Did you... Check out any of the YouTube show.
0: Um, Well, I've seen the YouTube show, but I hadn't checked it out since we watched. I definitely watched part two and, of course, part three. I'd be very bad if I didn't watch part three and I jumped on this. So I'm up to the original trilogy now. Maybe I'll watch the next Karate Kid. I don't know if I'm going to watch the Jackie Chan one. Though you said it's pretty good, right? But I, I just wanted to get up to this point.
1: Yeah, you know, I only ask you to watch the, the the part three. It's up to the guest if they want to watch any of the other movies. But uh, yeah, one, two, and three. It's the Daniel trilogy is, yeah. I guess, what we could call it. Because uh, after this and the next Karate Kid is... Um, It's Academy Award winner Hilary Swank, or future Academy Award winner Hilary Swank. (laughs) She does not win it for that film. No, no. And then we have Jaden Smith. With Jackie Chan, and I don't know any of the new cats, the the young crop of kids in the next Karate Kid, but they're all good. So, yeah, the series continued on, uh, the next generation, but uh, we are here to talk about Karate Kid Part 3. Now, this one's nuts. I mean, let's just, you know, <laughs> right off the bat, I just... Okay, the first thing, before we even talk about... Maybe I should just do a quick summary real quick. So, the movie picks up... Man, this is kind of hard to explain because some of it takes place while Karate Kid Part 2 is happening. Yeah, technically, right? Yeah. Right? It picks up basically right after the tournament when uh, Miyagi has humiliated John Kreese and you see that he has like lost all of his students. He is... Lost uh, his dojo, so he goes to his old Vietnam Army buddy by the name of Terry Silver, who is some kind of businessman that deals in hiding toxic waste. It oh was very God. 90s. Yeah, it was, so like beautiful ladies,
0: <laughs> early 90s. Like, I'll just right off the bat say this: they did not need to make him a bad guy, and also be disposing of toxic waste you know like he was bad enough like i love how they needed to felt like they needed to add that to make him just just more like captain planet
1: evil Exactly, yeah. He he hates the environment. He's an eco-terrorist, basically, is what this guy <laughs> is. I mean, it's insane. He basically makes it his mission to get back at Daniel and Miyagi for his good, close Vietnam buddy, John Kreese. And they, like, apparently started, like, Cobra Kai together. We might touch upon that later on or not. So Terry Silver basically, like befriends daniel trains him because miyagi is sort of like all done with training daniel he opens up a bonsai tree shop he's going to try and settle down a little bit and at the same time terry silver hires a karate champ by the name of bad boy mike barnes to (laughs) threaten daniel daily to join the all valley tournament or basically endure unending punishment for the rest of his days like these guys are nuts they're criminals (laughs) <laughs> Basically, eventually, Daniel gets trained by Terry, but they reveal it's a big double cross, and he goes back to Miyagi with his head held low and his hands crossed, and Miyagi decides that he will train him after all, and he uses the family kata that Miyagi trains him with to center himself and get gain back his sense of self and he goes on to defeat mike barnes in the all valley tournament and that that ends it like that that basically ends the grudge these guys are not going to keep going we'll never find out but the movie is over there's a lot more going on in there but basically that's it oh it's a very strange direction to go with this movie but okay before we get into all that i just need to talk to you real quick about timelines The sense of timelines in films, particularly in sequels and sagas and trilogies, because this one is insane. (laughs) You know, when we went to the Rocky Marathon, how watching them all in a row, it doesn't make sense.
0: Not at all, in terms of like, you know, he comes back and his kid's like five years older.
1: Yeah, it's like the next year, his kid's five years older. I mean, they jump around a lot, like even between, I think, Rocky Balboa and Creed, there's like a lot of stuff going, they're fudging some years and things. But this is very sort of typical once you sort of dive a little deeper into at least older trilogies before they were keeping track of continuity and stuff. Because this movie is supposed to take place like, well, the Karate Kid 1, 2, and 3 all basically take place over a year so the first movie is basically like a couple months. Mm-hmm. The second movie starts at the end of the school year. It takes place over the course, I think, of basically a month. And then they come back from the second movie, and this movie's already started. Yeah. So, like, you literally see Daniel and Miyagi, like, leaving the airport as John Kreese is being put on a plane by Terry Silver to get out of the way so that he can do his, like, evil deeds and things. Now, the problem with doing that is now Ralph Macchio is no longer a teenager. He does, I mean... <laughs> (laughs) he doesn't look anything like a teenager he is in fact about 26 27 years old so i mean i know i just spoke for a long time but can you can you sort of comment on some of this here with the timeline and how it sits with you as a viewer having watched the first three movies coming back this far from the second one nowadays they would just pick it up today they would never set it up you know like we just left them yesterday how how is this all sitting with you as the movie starts
0: Um, look, I mean, the weirdest thing is not even, like, Miyagi. Of course, it's like, as you said, Ralph Macchio. He still has a baby face, but he's still not a teenager. And you don't see, it's in the body. Like, as weird as this sounds, in the first Karate Kid, he's like a scrawny kid. Like, at least he feels like it, right? Right. This one, he, you feel he's in more of a man's body. I think they tried to like, hide it at some point. Um, I know we'll probably talk about some of these characters further, but I think it's... I mean, I, I don't want to steal like your order here, but... Well, we have to mention Robin Lively, right? She plays the love interest Jessica Andrews. I love Robin Lively because she's in one of my favorite, and I'm using that loosely, teen films. One of the most infamous high school films. Teen Witch. I don't know if you've seen it, but yes, (laughs) she is. She is the
1: titular witch. (laughs) Yes. I
0: wanna be the most
1: popular. (laughs) Oh, isn't it? uh, Take that! Isn't oh, take that! that? Yeah, but she doesn't
0: really rap. Her friend is really more the rapper of take that. So. And
1: she's also Blake Lively's sister. Yes, I Blake Lively's yeah. sister of the <laughs> Lively
0: family. But uh their age difference I I looked it up and it's like 10 years or something like that.
1: Yeah, yeah. So listen to
0: this real quick.
1: This is some IMDb trivia, but this is all over the internet, but Machio was supposed to have a romantic relationship with Jessica played by Robin Lively. She is the pottery girl who runs the store across the street from Mr. Miyagi's tree store. But Macho actually asked to have their relationship be platonic because he didn't want his wife to be jealous. But in addition, the age difference was uncomfortable for all involved as Macho was 27 and Lively was 16 yikes why cast someone who's 16 <laughs> it makes no sense no it makes it zero i mean it's yeah and and it's one of the i remember watching this for the first time as a kid being like that's so weird where she's just like oh by the way uh there's this guy and we're working it out so like we have to be plutonic and macho's like yeah we'll just be friends sure i was
0: because like, <laughs> that never happened in movies you know Especially how they set up this series. And we know, you know, things changed because Elizabeth shoe kind of blew up. But, I mean, I'm probably going to reference the second one a lot. I guess, side question, how do you feel about the second one?
1: I love it, actually. I mean, it's a lot like the first one, right? But they go to Japan. It's in Okinawa. I mean, they're not actually shooting in Okinawa, from what I believe they're shooting it in Hawaii or something. But uh, I think it's really nice, you know? I I think there's a lot of pathos with Miyagi's character, expanding his character and getting into his family and backstory and all that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, I know, like, nothing beats the first one, right? Especially, like, with the mainstream audience. But I think if you're a fan, the second one is pretty awesome. Like you said, seeing, like, Miyagi's home life, we still get, like, some really cool fighting. I think in the second one, the iconic moment for me is, like, the ice
1: Okay, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. You know, the, there's like a lot, lot of lot. Like, you know, the the drum, but I, I bring that it up. song, right? I am the man who yes. will fight <laughs> for your honor. Like that song, man. Great, great Iconic song. Right there. Yeah. And
0: one of the things I was going to mention too is, and I can't remember her name; it escapes me. But like his love interest there in Japan, I think she's great too, right? Like, but oh, yeah. like. It's funny that we just keep writing them off, which is fine. Like, they're teenagers, but everything seems perfect with Elizabeth Shue. And then you jump to the second one. She's like, yeah, she left me for some UCLA football player or something like that. And you're like, okay. But then you meet this great girl. And then in this one, it's like, yeah, she, you know, she joined the Tokyo dance troupe or something, you know?
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's following her dreams.
0: (laughs) And then you meet, you know, Robin Lively's character. And I think she does great, but again... She's a teenager, you know, and he's not. So it's just bizarre. And the thing is, too, what's probably most funny to me is that this character did not have to be a teenager. Like, she works in a store, a pottery store, right? It's not like they're in high school together, like, taking classes and dropping
1: books, you know? She could have been his same age. I don't understand it. Yeah, and that's the other thing is, like, Daniel's supposed to be a freshman in college, technically like it would have been so great if he actually if there were a couple scenes of him in college like going to college and then Mike Barnes like coming there and then him meeting an actual college age girl to hang out with or something but as this movie plays like she doesn't even that character doesn't even need to be in the movie like if you look at all the scenes that are just her and Daniel she may as well be Tyler Durden like imaginary (laughs) (laughs) she really serves no purpose and it's very frustrating she's just there as another punching bag or as something used to threaten Daniel with right like hey we're gonna go after her next or this or that or or something of that matter you know so yeah it's really it's it's a big missed opportunity No, it's not. No, because it's just like with his mom. Like they wrote his mom out of the movie too. And there's a scene where she's like on the phone with Daniel. That wasn't even going to be in the movie. Machia was like, we got to have at least one shot of her like explaining what happened. You know, people were dropping like flies out of this thing. (laughs) People (laughs) being replaced were not like top tier either.
0: No, that's for sure.
1: So listen to this one, too. So Thomas Ian Griffith, he's the guy who plays Terry Silver. He portrays a Vietnam vet, but in real life, he was 13 years old when the war ended. And at the time this movie was made, he was only four months younger than Ralph Macchio. And he's like, (laughs) he's playing, like, he's playing this uh, mentor character. It's insane.
0: I I, I didn't understand that either, because, okay, I, I guess we didn't talk about this, right? Like, so I'd seen Karate Kid obviously, a bunch of times. I'd actually seen Karate Kid 2, not in a while, but, like, I'd seen that one a lot, too. And I don't think I've ever honestly seen this one. Oh, I didn't even ask you that to begin. That's that's some... Uh, important information yeah so this was like my first watch because if I'd seen it I'd remembered nothing because I thought I might have seen it but there was nothing for my recall here I was so confused when I found out like I thought this guy was maybe that um what's his name the
1: Cobra Kai leader's name John Kreese yeah Yeah.
0: I thought this guy was maybe John Kreese's protege
1: like that he may I was thinking oh "Oh, right yeah maybe this is his
0: first student
1: you know what they're like? They're like the Ken and Ryu of Karate Kid. Like, they, they trained together, like, in Vietnam yeah. and, like, created Cobra Kai But they're, something.
0: no, like, like, he doesn't even look like he's the same age as John Kreese, you know? It's not even close. And that's why I'm like, wait a minute. They fought in, like, he's like, you saved my life in Vietnam. And then I'm thinking, like, maybe he was, like,
1: a kid there, you know? like Oh, like a short round? Like his, like, the yeah. Indiana Jones? Like, <laughs> but no, you're and right. That's so like, funny. He does say, like, literally is like, I can't even count the number of times you saved my life johnny (laughs) and it's like wait what
0: it's like they just casted people like again no bearing of age and maybe that's the future right maybe we're we're not supposed to be ageist but let's be honest like that's not how we see things we like our cast to look they don't have to be the same age as the characters they play but people have to line up age-wise You know?
1: Yeah. Because you know where my mind goes now? Like, what year is it in the TV show and how old is Daniel now? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it trips up my mind as far as the continuity goes and how old people are. And, you know, I I, I just, I don't know. It it just makes my brain hurt. But uh, (laughs) the guy who they hired to sort of torment Daniel was an actual karate champion at the time. This guy who plays uh, Mike Barnes. Mm. I'm sorry, Bad Boy Mike Barnes. (laughs) Which my favorite scene in the entire movie is when like he comes in like so I'll set the stage and it's like Terry Silver is like uh, he's got like an evil Alfred Butler who's like doing his dirty business deals with him while he's in the hot tub. And he's, like, hanging out in a hot tub, and in walks, like, this young, hot karate champion, Mike Barnes, and they, like, negotiate the most insane deal. He's like, I'll give you 5% of all my dojos in the Valley after you beat Daniel LaRusso in the All-Valley Tournament. And Mike Barnes goes, I want to I wanna do my best, but I can't settle for less than half. And he's like, <laughs> you know what? You got it. I love this kid. Look at those negotiating skills. This is going to be great. I feel
0: great about this. I feel great. My Mind you, he, he's also promised, like, John Kreese, right, like, half yeah. as well. So I'm like, where's it all coming from? Oh. <laughs> How do you gain this much money, I guess, by polluting Bora Bora or whatever, with those poor business skills? like He's like, you know what, your, your dojo's failing. And just backtrack a little, like, we do see scenes of, like, the Cobra Kai dojo, like, actually failing. He's like, I haven't got a student in months. And, like... I believe it or not, I kind of do feel a little bad like that is like there's a small business that's failing here. But his strategy
1: to bring it back is to open 10 of them and then give half to a random kid. So so like what's even crazier about it is who's going to want to join the Cobra Kai after it's it's been I assume they only have the tournament once a year right yeah yeah. so it's been at the most two years like daniel was possibly away for the last tournament in japan
0: i think it's only been a year because they make such a big issue for daniel to defend his title the next year
1: okay so that's even crazier so so it's only been a year since the first movie which is just mind-blowing (laughs) so 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 no one's gonna want to join Cobra Kai just because they beat Daniel especially if they're still assholes about all this stuff you know and if they'd like watch the new series like it takes a lot and a lot of effort for the new Cobra Kai dojo to like get up and running again you know it's like Johnny has like a really hard time finding students He has like one student for like the entire (laughs) for like the first half of the first season which is great but I'm just saying like yeah their aspirations are like out of control. My guess is that he inherited all that wealth and is just pissing it away left and right. <laughs> well, that but
0: if he really inherited it, would he have fought in Vietnam though?
1: I don't well, know. Maybe he he's... might have been dra- drafted. Well, you know what? He seems he seems like a maniac, right? So he probably wanted to go over there and like kill people <laughs> or something. Like he looks like, cuz he's like the comedian. As he's like plotting this revenge, he's like getting close to this teenage kid, like a big brother kind of <laughs> relationship and, like, imposing himself. Like, if he was smart, he would make Daniel seek him out, right? But, like, instead, he just kind of, like, shows up at Miyagi's house and, like, introduces himself and says, like, I'm here to apologize for John Kreese's behavior. By the way, like, let's hang out sometime.
0: It's so weird because he has the most convoluted strategy to (laughs) injure Daniel before the tournament. When we've seen this film before, he could just, like, put on a mask, beat him up you know, like, Mm -hmm. and knock it out in one night, but instead, like, he's like, let me gain Daniel's trust, and then train him in the most asinine ways possible, like, hit this wooden thing, you know, like, hurt yourself.
1: Yeah, so here's what he does, right, so it took me a while to figure out his strategy, because it's so dumb, but he (laughs) wants to sort of, like, train Daniel the wrong way right like he feeds him all of this bad information he gives him like the Cobra Kai training where he's like you got to strike first you got to hit him once so they don't get back up and he like trains him to be a killer right and so that like when he's taking Robin Lively out on the night before she moves back to, like, wherever. You know, Terry Silver hires some guy to, like, mess with Daniel, and Daniel's first instinct is to break this dude's nose, right? So, like, technically, like, he's turned him into, you know, the bad guy. But it's so dumb. Technically, like, what Terry does... Works like he does what he sets out to do, but he still doesn't win. You know, Daniel still wins the tournament. Like he still goes back to Miyagi. Like I almost feel like the reveal came too soon. Like he needed to like break someone's nose at the tournament or something. I'm so lost. (laughs) That's all (laughs) I can say.
0: (laughs) A couple, you know, things with that. Like I couldn't agree more. Did you read that note that originally like this character wasn't even a part of this film that? They wrote it as, like, just John Crease getting revenge.
1: Oh, um, I heard there was an idea about that, but he was filming, like, another movie at the time. Yeah, a I movie can't, I never heard of. I have no of. idea what the details of the other ideas were for Karate Kid. No, Theory, basically
0: that's why he goes away for a while, because they could only get him for, like, X amount of days. So they brought in this other character and rewrote it that way, and... I don't know. They should have gone with a completely different direction if they wanted to do this. There's a famous quote about this film, and I forgot who said it. But I I remember seeing it when I was talking about the first Karate Kid on High School Slumber Party. It was something along the lines of, "When we made one, we had to make two, and when we made two, and two did so well, you know, three was gonna get made." And it was some. I'm not. I'm like misquoting here, but like, as you probably saw. Nobody wanted to do three. Like, even the, act- the principal actors didn't really want to do three. But I believe, like, Pat Morita felt such loyalty to this series that, he again, he would even continue on to do another one. It really brought him back from the dead, as we discussed on the first uh, Karate Kid. So... I get it, but also it's just it's just a shame too. Like that that will just invested more time
1: or not on it. I don't know. Well, no, yeah, like it just was not ready to go. But it feels like almost I don't know, like a like a tax break movie or something, like a write off, right? Like it's like how many movies have we made this year? Oh, if we make like one more, like we could save this much money for the studio. What's close to being done? And it's like oh, here's a Karate kid script. Like go go go. Like just do it, right? And because there's been there were things like like Machio had problems like with like almost every page of like what was going on here you know like i said earlier like he was the one who's who allegedly suggested that they make the relationship plutonic right he's like this just isn't reading right like just doesn't feel right and so like this whole movie was a struggle and you could feel it i mean it's got classic part three problems to it with strange new characters that come out of nowhere um taking a thread that was like so loose that it was basically like falling to the floor but like you know, grabbing it midair and, and re- threading it like all this Cobra Kai stuff like they could have moved on from all of that and, and introduced something completely new and original like I wanted to see sort of Daniel the college years but instead he goes into small business with Miyagi and they open a bonsai tree store.
0: That's something that I think I would have like liked to know or read about but not necessarily watch a movie about. I hear you like it's in like um the novelization. Novelization. Or some <laughs> exactly. It's something you used to do on this show or like even if you and I were talking like what do you think he does after Karate Kid 2 and we're like oh Maybe he opens a bonsai tree shop. But it's not necessarily a movie I want to see. You know, like, we don't need to know what the next chapter is always for our characters. Another criticism I have is that, like, if they were going to do this, they almost didn't go far enough. In certain moments, like, one thing that, I know it's, like, silly, but one thing that just sticks out at me is when he's training with, uh, whatever, the new Cobra Kai dude, and he doesn't have, like, a gi, like, the karate outfit. He gives, so he gives him one, it's a Cobra Kai one, but it's not, like, I want to see Daniel in that traditional black Cobra Kai uniform, sleeveless, so we can be like, oh, my God, you know? I feel like they didn't want to go that far because, like Daniel, such this good, pure character. Again, he, like you said, he has that moment out where he punches the kid, but he almost immediately regrets it. You know, we don't push it enough. Let me, <laughs> it's gonna be a weird reference, but and it, not that it was a good movie, but that's because I don't think it was executed well. But uh, when we talked about Spider-Man 3, right, and we kind of get evil Spider-Man because he's influenced by the Venom, again, I don't think that was executed well either. But I I guess what I'm trying to say is these third films always try to like, not always, but some of the bad ones try to enter this other element into like, like, let's see a different side of Daniel. But they could never commit far enough to make me really feel like he's actually turned, if that makes sense
1: yeah no it does it makes perfect sense because there's no focus to this film I think that would have been good if they had like caught sight of it sooner and made that more of what the movie's about because you could have like it would have been amazing to see Daniel in that black gi it would have been cool if he'd like you know had stubble like if he was sort of like the dark version of Daniel LaRusso like he's always like got a hot temper now he's screaming at Miyagi he doesn't want to like do this or that he's looking for the easy way like it, that would have been some some good stuff and it is bizarre that they don't go that extra distance because they I feel like they go too far in certain directions in some parts of this movie i.e., the Mike Barnes attack sequences. Yeah. Because, like, Mike Barnes and his cronies, like, break into the tree store when Daniel and Robin Lively are, like, eating macaroni and cheese. And he straight up kicks her oh my full force in the stomach. And Daniel's like, what the fuck are you guys doing? <laughs> like, yeah. this is assault. Like, this is out of control. And then later there's a scene where Daniel and Robin Lively are going to get Miyagi's true bonsai tree from the side of like a very dangerous cliff and mike barnes like is like toying with them and like he's gonna like drop them off the cliff and like murder them you know what i'm saying like i feel like they go too far in some regards in the wrong places okay so i just googled what makes a good villain right and this is what
0: came up from some random website he or could be she i guess he's worthy enough opponent to make your hero look good i guess that's fair with mike barnes right and the other guy but you, as the viewer, likes when he's on stage. I don't know if that's necessarily true here. No, right? Nope.
1: I mean, there's times... I, I kind of like sometimes when, when Terry Silver's on screen because the guy's really overacting, I feel like, in the fun ways. Whereas when Mike Barnes is on screen, he's trying to act menacing and it's not working at
0: all. No. And then the last thing here is he's clever and accomplished enough that people must lend him begrudging respect i guess he's a karate champion but like but like they they tell us that you know
1: yeah that that's the thing so the thing about mike barnes is he's very threatening like he's a very dangerous individual like it seems like he's got no conscience whatsoever like he will kick a girl in the stomach right he will probably he tries to punch miyagi i bet right like i think there's a sequence they're doing donuts in the street and almost get hit by a train and like one of the craziest stunts like that how is that in this movie (laughs) (laughs) there's like that train dodge sequence and then terry silver like i'm just confused by this guy mostly like i'm not scared of him i couldn't see anyone being scared of him and when he like you know tells daniel like the full reveal and stuff like daniel has they just like just walk away daniel like you could go now and that's it like we'll see you at the tournament so I don't know I'm I'm not threatened by that guy but I am I just physically by Mike Barnes but they do not pass the test sorry
0: no no definitely true and back to Daniel for a moment as we're talking about this like it's really making me think that one of the problems I have with him in this film is that he just still seems for lack of a better word like stupid you know (laughs) yeah uh (laughs) uh-huh Like, he falls for this shit because he's dumb, not because, again, just back to this, I wish wish he, like, was seeking revenge or something, or, like, not in a good way, but, like, we got this dark moment that was truly motivated, not like, oh, yeah, that seems about right, you know,
1: like... (laughs) Yeah, no, well, like, because, like, what I was waiting for was Mike Barnes to show up and shoot Miyagi, and, like, have a scene where Daniel's in the hospital, you know, I'm serious. No, I'm laughing because it's, like, like, it it, it makes more sense, it's just crazy. But then you gotta remember, too, like, Daniel the character, Daniel LaRusso, is still a stupid teenage kid. Like, he's, what, 19 years old, maybe? 18? Like, he's gonna be a a freshman in college? Like, college freshman kids are idiots, you know? Like, they're very persuaded, and, you know, look at how many join frats, and how many, you know, do crazy, stupid shit, right? So, like, it's not sort of beyond the realm of possibility that, like, a teenager would fall for this. I just have trouble of Daniel falling for this because of what I know he's been through all that shit with Chosen in Japan all that shit you know that he went through uh, in high school with the Cobra Kai like he should have like a spider sense at this point like he should know something's up and he just doesn't and that, that's really weird
0: it's very weird because it might only be a year But, at least from our vantage point, this has been the most impactful year of his life.
1: Dude, how much shit has happened in this year? Oh my god, have you... Okay, have you ever been, like, in a fight in your entire life? I think I've maybe been in, like, one when I was, you know... 13, right? Yeah. Daniel's been in how many life-or-death situations (laughs) in 12 months? Like, I can't wrap my mind around it when we sit and say like, it's been a year. (laughs) So again,
0: you would think that he would have some kind of, like, character development, and if you think about it, does he really have any character development from the first film? Like, except that he, he learns karate moves, like he has physical development.
1: Because he's like pretty much fully formed Daniel by the end of the first movie, that in the second movie, it's more like Miyagi's sort of growth, and we see because he loses his father, and he reconciles with his teenage rival, and he's back in his hometown village, and Daniel seems to be pretty constant. So... Where is there really for his character to grow at this point? I mean, how much can you really grow in a year when you've changed this much already?
0: I don't know. We should have seen something, though. I'm like, oh, yeah. Oh, I remember that. You know, like, yeah, Miyagi must
1: have put the tree here. Just as soon as he says, like, Cobra Kai comes out of anyone's mouth, you should just, like, walk away, right? That's first on the list for me, basically. <laughs> <laughs> um... <laughs> and otherwise, this whole, like wanting to defend your title thing like Daniel doesn't necessarily need Miyagi anymore to train him Daniel just needs to go and put the work in himself and lose those extra 10 pounds and fucking <laughs> jog his ass around the block and and go wax some cars and paint a house or two and sweep the floor you know what I'm saying like he knows what to do he could beat Mike Barnes he has the tools but something happened to his confidence or something where like he just doesn't trust himself it's very strange he he definitely took a st- step backwards
0: it's weird, yeah, absolutely, because the tropes they keep in this one aren't tropes that I would have necessarily kept. I, I, tropes is a bad word, but just, like, recurring things. Like, mm-hmm. did they have to fight in the All-Valley tournament again, you know? like Why
1: did it, yeah, why why couldn't it be the All-State?
0: Yeah, like, l- let's advance a level, like, who, who cares, like, I, I hate to say it, but who cares if he defends this, like, title? Like, he would just, like, fought for his life in Japan, you know, and now he's back to, to defend this.
1: Dude, great point. Like, he learned that drum technique. That should be enough to defeat Mike Barnes. Like, Mike Barnes shows up at the plant store, and Daniel's like, who are you guys? And he tries some shit, and Daniel does the drum technique and, and puts Mike Barnes in the hospital. And then the cops come, and he's like, look, this guy broke in. He tried to kick the girl from across the street. I had to do the drum technique. End of movie. We're retreading, and there's ways to have fun and do it, like, do it well um like i feel like in the next karate kid and even the jaden smith one like they find ways to really do the same thing but make it fresh and fun whereas i think in this one they didn't and it's it's basically the same moves but you know not as sort of uh well trained was there like a drum thing in this one obviously
0: the first one has like the crane technique and then Obviously, all the other stuff. Then the drum technique. What was the one in this one that he learns?
1: So the one in this one is kata. Um, kata, which is like a meditation, sort of like the hand movements and the st- It's like it's oh, like all the slow yeah. moves. It's almost like a dance, and you know, I see see a lot of that in martial arts that's true the bizarre thing though is you know at the end of the tournament when he's getting his ass kicked by mike barnes he starts to do that kata and mike barnes like doesn't know what to do about it like he won't advance and like take a hit it like baffles him and screws him up so much that daniel ends up getting a shot in and winning like it is so dumb of a it's not like a dumb thing like i don't i'm not trying to bash the kata i'm just saying as a finishing move no no, no, no. It is it is nowhere near the crane kick or the drum punch. No, I didn't even remember it. Yeah, I mean because like it's it's like a meditation kind of thing. It's not it's not a technique that you use in battle, you know, it's something you use in training to clear your mind and I'm sure the moves are sort of based off of fighting moves or you could sort of translate them in certain ways, but he just does he just goes through the motions. I don't know. It's just so weird to look at that, to see that, and to to watch it is nuts. (laughs) It's just nuts. I just...
0: (laughs) (laughs) Now, I don't know if you've read this, but there have been some people who actually recently
1: have said that they love this film. Love? I mean, I can understand. I like it in a way, right? Like, I love how sort of how much it doesn't work. Like, I like it as a bad movie, but I can't imagine people thinking it's like a well made film like I don't feel like it's fun to look at like it's not well shot like I don't think it's well acted I don't think it's (laughs) well written right but I think there's aspects of that poorness that make it enjoyable on a good bad level for me but uh, yeah
0: the director said he hates it Like, for the record, like, he didn't think it had to be (laughs) made. But I'll say this about it. It doesn't ruin the series for me. Like, it's not something, like, where I need to, like, oh, I wish this film never existed because it ruined
1: the characters. It just,
0: I didn't need to see it. Like, this might have happened in their lives. It just didn't need to be documented, if that makes (laughs) sense.
1: It does. It's, I mean, it's certainly the low-water mark, you know? I mean, and I think maybe part of its failure is what makes the show so successful and like they do reference this in a couple episodes on the second season where like Daniel reveals that he was once trained by Cobra Kai and they show a shot from this movie oh, really? of him in the gi uh, season 2 but you know I, I think we were getting into this a little bit in the first episode on your show is like this is a very proven formula right The, the, the it's like Rocky for children or it's just the master mentor just the the sports movie, this and that. And, and it, it's always going to work. I don't think it's ever going to be terrible, but it's not good to me. I don't think this is a good representation of this type of story. I understand people liking it. I mean, people grow up and are from different times and ages and and sort of, you know, hold things closer than others. And I just have no sort of affinity for this one. I have fun watching it, but I don't think that uh, it's for the intended sort of reasons it was made.
0: Yeah, I 100% agree with that.
1: What else have we got to get into with this one? Is there anything we haven't really talked about? I mean, conversations are as long as they need to be. Episodes don't have to go on if they don't need to. But is there anything we didn't mention about the Karate Kid 3 that you got to get off your chest? Um, I
0: guess, what's the runtime on this?
1: Oh, it's like 80 minutes. It's a super short.
0: We spend a lot of time looking for a tree in this movie. <laughs> it's amazing that like how much focus is put on like repelling down and getting this one bonsai tree that Miyagi hid apparently. I mean, I don't know anything about bonsai trees. I am surprised that their store takes off so fast. It does seem like something that, you know, I don't know if people are going out of their way to find.
1: Well, it was I remember the there was like a stand at the mall that sold bonsai trees, right? So it's like I think at this point, maybe if this is supposed to be 1984, the year after 1985 or whatever the year after Karate Kid actually came out, it's like before the cusp or before the curve or anything. But I think Maybe. at this point, like bonsais were sort of everywhere.
0: <laughs> Another thing I had in my notes that it, this happened after we did our Karate Kid episode, but has since made the news. So I fear we talk about it now. Is the Karate Kid musical is supposed to be in the works? That's right. I don't know what your feelings on that is, but I mean...
1: I mean, you know, I could kind of hear the lyrics to Wax On, Wax Off in my head, right? (laughs) Like, that's definitely something. um, You know, Cobra Kai, do or die. There's definitely a song in there somewhere. Uh, Ali's theme. Maybe we could get some (laughs) lyrics to that. Uh, You know, uh, golf and stuff would be a great dance sequence, right? I think. So, I'm on board. In fact, I want to... Help write the book, if possible.
0: <laughs> um, one thing... See, I, I'm a little on the fence, right? Like The
1: beach sequence? Oh, man, the beach... Blanket bingo style. That'd be
0: (laughs) Like, I don't know what these songs are going to sound like, you know?
1: Well, what if they use the songs from the movie, like Cruel Summer and You're the Best? That would be cool. Like, what if they adapt those and they sort of go more on the rock route? Like, I'm thinking 80s rock, almost like type of score stuff.
0: Yeah, no, and that would be cool. But I was thinking, too, like, karate, in a sense, is like a dance anyway, you know, especially if it's choreographed like this. So that might be cool on stage to see, like, live, these moves live, you know? I wonder how, how serious they're going to take it or if it's going to be like kind of tongue in cheek.
1: That's yeah, that's hard to say, especially you could go either way. I think I think they could probably figure out a good balance because you know it would be really weird if they did what they're doing with Mean Girls is like they re-adapt the musical into a movie afterwards (laughs) like they did with the producers right like the producers came out as a movie then it was a play and then they adapted the play into a new movie that would be wild I'm on board for the musical Karate Kid I'd like to see that I like I like the imagery of the karate dancing kind of stuff, and yeah, I'm I'm with it. Now, here's the real question. Are they going to stop at Karate Kid 1, or are they going to integrate the Daniel Trilogy? Is he going to go to Japan in the second act, and in the third act, is he going to repel down a mountain to save a tree?
0: Yes, I, I definitely think the tree scene is going to be added to the play.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Terry Silver's song about dumping toxic waste. <laughs> It's just zero redeemable about that guy. You know, I guess he's a vet, but... He's a vet, but by the sound of it, like the, like I said earlier, he reminds me of the comedian. Like, I feel like he was over there doing bad shit, right? Like, like I get more of a Full Metal Jacket kind of vibe from the <laughs> Cobra Kai dudes. Like, they were not helping... <laughs> I think it would have been better to not draft those dudes. And that ponytail alone is enough to just, like, oh want to kick them in the nuts, like, oh repeatedly. God.
0: Yeah, no. No, thank you. <laughs> but this is a time where, especially movies like this, heroes are heroes, and villains especially were villains. There's just zero redeemable about these villains. Let's go back to the first one again, right? Like, I know John Creese is, like, an ass, in the first one, but at least the Cobra Kai kids, while they're bullying him, they there's re- redeemable qualities in them because they themselves are getting bullied, so you kind of feel bad for them as well. I do feel bad for John Kreese like his business is failing, but he's also not a nice guy, and his mentor is even worse of a human being, so...
1: Yeah, I could only, I could only imagine what their master was like. What kind of monster yeah. sanctioned Cobra Kai to begin with. Oh man, so... I mean, is that, I think that wraps it up for Karate Kid 3. I really don't know, like, how to talk about this movie properly. Like, it just blows your mind to think that, like, they put this out. Like, that this is what they can Like, it's so just... My final thoughts about it is just how lackluster it is. Like, you could have done anything and you basically did, like, nothing. Like, that's how it feels to me.
0: Yeah, kind of went out with a whimper um, in terms of, like, the Daniel LaRusso uh, trilogy. But again, it's something where Karate Kid 2 did well, even though it wasn't as critically acclaimed, like it made money. You knew this was going to happen because they just, you know, they wouldn't make money on this series until it made no more money. And that's essentially what happened.
1: Yeah, and then they brought it back to see if they could squeeze more out of it, and they actually could. And, you know, they actually figured out a way to bring it back correctly, I feel, after all that time. You know, it may have faltered, it may have fallen, it may have fumbled, but ultimately, you know, it survives. And still in those goddamn All-Valley tournaments, I mean, Jesus Christ, they just keep <laughs> going. They've been going and going. It's like the longest-running karate tournament on the planet. All right, Brian, I think we're going to have to wrap it up there. Thank you very much for joining me once again here on Third Times of Charm. It is 2020 now. It is the final year. You will be back a few times, and... um If you'd like, can you please tell the listeners where else they can find you out there in the World Wide Web?
0: Well, as you've been on, Mike, and as you know... High School Slumber Party is my other podcast where I talk about high school films, including the original Karate Kid here. And we're having a really fun year. And, of course, you could find that, well, every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. But also, where you're listening to us right now, or cageclub.me and all these other great places. And have a blast there. And also, my other show with with the aforementioned Kyle Reinfried is P.S. I Love Hoffman, where we talk about the wonderful career of the late, great Philip Seymour Hoffman. He was in a third film. Yeah, I guess he was in the third Hunger Games.
1: Yeah, and he was also in Mission Impossible. Oh, 3.
0: duh, Mission Impossible 3. Something you covered on Cruise Club, right?
1: Yes, quite recently. Fridays are for fun because if you're not listening to Brian on Fridays, listen to The Tom Tom Club where Joey and I are going through the filmographies of both Tom Cruise and Tom Hanks alternating every Fridays. And Brian, you'll be back a couple of times. Uh, I hope uh, I know um, you know, I got to talk a couple more horror films with you. Definitely want to get you on for for Day of the Dead and maybe a few others in there somewhere and maybe one or two non-horror films like Karate Kid here. So uh,
0: Definitely. Always love being on the third times is a charm.
1: Set. <laughs> Studio three. It's always good. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Studio three, floor three, building three. <laughs> three.
0: That's a magic number. It is, it's the magic number. Three may me and that's a magic number. What does a dog mean?